0: Hey, everybody. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Spring Creek Quail Farms, whose mission it is to make nutritious and delicious egg options available to all. You can find more about them at their website, www.springcreekquail.ca. A big thanks to them for sponsoring the show and making this conversation possible. Now, without further ado, on to Real Talk.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to the Real Talk podcast. Today we are joined by Reverend Dr. Joseph Boot. Um, I'm not sure if you like the Reverend first or the Doctor first, but uh, it matters. far not. too qualified to be uh, speaking to us, but uh, we're thankful that he is. So, um, yeah, Joe Boot comes at us from the Ezra Institute, where you are um, the founder and president, I guess. Um, and also the founding pastor of Westminster uh, Chapel in Toronto, um, and yeah, you've done a lot of speaking, a lot of you know lectures, writing on all sorts of issues, cultural issues, and um, how we can engage the culture and stuff. So uh, today, hopefully, we can dig into a little bit on the COVID issue and sphere sovereignty, and maybe uh, you know pick your brain a little bit so we can better understand kind of where we're at and uh, you know, maybe what our path forward is. So uh, yeah, i give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and maybe your background and what you're working on these days and mm-hmm. then we'll get into it. Well, thanks for having me on the show. It's good to be here.
2: Uh, so while well, you've uh, just mentioned there the Ezra Institute, that's my uh, primary work. The Ezra Institute was founded in 2009 uh, we are we are a, uh, a Christian world and life view think tank and uh, uh, cultural apologetics training organization. So our concern is with um, biblical worldview, um, Christian philosophy, and cultural apologetics. And so we we write, speak, we uh, have a publishing uh, house as Repress. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our, our podcast. We travel and lecture where. Used to travel and lecture. Yeah. <laughs> we do what we can. Yeah. And, uh, and we, we host um, various training opportunities in worldview and, and uh, cultural apologetics for students, for young adults, and uh, a certain amount of programs for a more generalized audience for you know pastors and uh, leaders. and we have an annual conference and so on. So' that's the, um, that's the Ezra Institute. And uh, yeah, over the last uh, couple of years, Um, some of our work seems to have become more pertinent Mm -hmm. all of a sudden (laughs) because we've been talking about these issues of church and state and culture and uh, sphere sovereignty and the need for a robust cultural apologetic for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes that's tough sledding um, to convince people that they need to pay attention to things that maybe they're not that concerned with. Mm-hmm. They think that's maybe a very highly specialized area that is not really that significant or important to them, and I think the last uh, the last couple of years, uh, not just the COVID situation, but the legislative environment uh, that we're in now in Canada is starting to drive a lot of a lot more interest in uh, what mm-hmm. the Ezra Institute has been saying and, and is saying. So we're encouraged by that. We wish it could have been under. Less uh, threatening circumstances, but mm-hmm. um, in part we're where we are because we've not given sufficient attention to these broader issues. In our view, as yeah, right. as a church and as Christians, and then um, in two thousand and eight, I I was uh, I founded Westminster Chapel, and a few years later, Westminster Classical Christian Academy, which is a, an elementary school in Toronto. And wow. um, a few years ago, when uh, when the work of the Ezra Institute about four years ago started becoming um, increasingly, uh, burdensome in, in the right sense, right? It was, it was growing and, and expanding and so on. Um, I decided to step back from the senior leadership of the church. So I play a support role there now, oh. um, on the elders board and I'm kind of the founding past, pastor at large really, um, and I focused on the work of the Institute, which is I say is our, our journal Jubilee and, um, publishing and our speaking and writing and podcasting and traveling and speaking.
0: Well, I know I'm staying busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you guys just completely independent? Or are you associated with any federation? Or?
2: So we are we we are a, a, a Canadian charity, um, okay. and um, we're we're independent. So we're an independent um, reformed think tank. Uh, so no, we have um, there's no <clears throat> there's no broader order I, yeah, or, yeah. organization to which we're uh, to which we're answerable. Which right. especially these last two years has been a uh, uh, mercy. Yes, uh, I think that we've had been able to maintain the independence of uh, of our voice to the to the culture, right. um, but we are very much in dialogue with and conversation with all kinds of you know like minded institutions and organisations that we've worked with and partnered with over the years, including groups like ARPA. Yep. Andre Schutten is one of our fellows, and so on. So we have about we have actually eighteen fellows from around the world um, wow. in Canada, <clears throat> Europe, the USA uh and the united kingdom so
1: mm-hmm. wow.
2: um and people can explore that on our on our website ezrainstitute.ca mm-hmm. and and get a handle on who we are as an organization a bit more
0: yeah yeah what does it mean to like add a fellow to the organization because i've noticed you mm-hmm. guys have brought on a number of new faces this year
2: yeah yeah so uh, f- for us our our fellows are it's hopefully a, a a two-way street so the idea of our fellows program is that um uh, like-minded scholars, um, leaders, uh, occasionally the odd pastor, uh, becomes closely associated with us, usually because they have contributed articles, um, mm. uh, for Jubilee, um, uh, appeared repeatedly on our podcasts or taught at our programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, after a number of years of building that relationship, uh, we uh, will periodically invite people to to join our team of fellows. And that for them means that they're committing themselves to um, promoting the work of the Institute, uh, hopefully speaking well of us <laughs> and uh, uh, teaching periodically at our programs, contributing articles. And um, in return, hopefully they're getting a certain amount of um, exposure for their writing and their work and so on. So uh, um, yeah, we've been excited this year. I think we've added uh, two or three fellows this year, uh, Dr. James White, um, Jeff Durbin, and I think Aaron Rock was the, uh, joined this year as well. Who's mm-hmm. um, He and I have known each other for many years, but it was in these last 18 months that we have uh, sort of reconnected um, in earnest. And uh, he's been involved quite a bit more in some of our programming so um and I think his his example in church leadership there in Windsor has been yeah. really significant and so uh, mm-hmm. we wanted him to come on as our fellow for for church leadership
1: yeah for sure yeah, yeah I know he is he runs a podcast and he was actually on with us so he, uh, yeah yeah good fairly familiar with Aaron Rock so um and I think a lot of our listeners are l- listeners listen to him so um you mentioned that the the move to kind of like I guess kind of uh to ignore our current cultural state in like um, in that we have kind of let the government run away with it um, has kind of been um, prevalent in our churches, in our, in our Christian culture. Is that also um, a reality in the broader context? Do we see that like more people are coming back to those questions of not, I guess how they would say sphere sovereignty, but coming mm-hmm. back to thinking about authority and, mm-hmm. um, what do you see in in our culture, you know maybe just in southern Ontario or in general? Yeah.
2: So I think it's been interesting insofar as it's certainly true that that it has the 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 last two years have been forcing people to to ask some pretty fundamental questions mm. about uh, the 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 nature of the human person, for example, um, our bodily integrity, um, our our civil liberties. Um, our charter freedoms, mm. uh, such as they were, uh, and, yeah. and so on. So these, these questions have been forced upon people, uh, to, to a large degree. Um, and there's been some, uh, I think you can see pockets of, uh, and I would say very small pockets in the broader culture of, um, pushback on these issues. I think mm. there's going to be maybe two or even three, um, new emergent conservative parties in the province by the time the next election rolls around um uh it would be probably useful if there weren't three and those three could find a way of (laughs) working as one Um, but um politics and egos and all of that um, comes into the mix Um, so there are uh and, and i think you could perhaps you could look at the performance of the um people's party of canada in the last mm. election and say well was it 5 or 6% i think um which is a significant jump for them mm. uh, and that suggests uh, certainly that that um there are people a small minority in in canada who are concerned about these things we'd probably hear more voices were it not for the fact that so much of the media is bought and paid for mm mm-hmm and his government media on massive government subsidies and so on and so it's very difficult to for for um voices that are uh resistant to what's going on and are asking some of these bigger questions to get to get a platform
0: yeah, right. uh, yeah. at
2: least in the mainstream um but uh, there are some and of course you had the julie uh, panosi was it um uh, a case uh where she was a professor of ethics i think um at um, a major ontario university and was and was was uh, basically dismissed from her job for mm-hmm. for not getting the vaccine and so she's been speaking and writing and to some degree as well jordan peterson has reappeared a little bit, a bit. um and um been expressing more and more concern about what's going on so there there are pockets yeah. uh, but i wouldn't say it's i think it's disappointing Mm-hmm. Uh, if you compare us to our Southern neighbor, uh, and the amount of pushback there is in the, in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, or you compare us even to, um, to parts of Europe and, um, the United Kingdom, we just don't see the political resistance or, or, or pushback here. And in fact, yes. uh, you know, it seems that sometimes, uh, even on the supposed conservative end, Uh, We've seen the status quo in more than one area uh, just being reinforced. And of course, with things like um, a a hugely destructive bill in terms of freedom of speech and expression, freedom of religion, Bill C-4, Mm -hmm. was advanced through the House of Commons and then the Senate fast-tracked by Conservatives. Uh, So there's been, uh, it's been disappointing, I think, overall to, Mm -hmm. to, uh, in terms of the public political discourse around this and the cultural discourse, there have been a few disparate voices here and there, but usually their voice has been coming through um, uh, independent, small online platforms like, you know, um, uh, the Liberty Coalition, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, and and, and others that are uh, trying to give exposure to some of those voices and the Liberty coalition formed out of a group of us pastors saying, you know, how are we going to get, um, more and more, uh, Christians and pastors to, to, to think about these issues and, um, try and, uh, bring them, you know, openly into the, mm-hmm. give, give people opportunity to give voice to these things. So, uh, you know it's it's um there is some some things are going on but it's but i would say very small i think the church kind of reflects that that there's a small pockets in in the church that are yep. raising the same issues yeah mm-hmm.
0: it's frustrating it's it seems to be at a point where folks are a lot of people at least this is more anecdotal perhaps but are just bending and and giving in just because of the you know because of the coercion right the the realities are uh, they have to face mm-hmm. reality and People want to fly and they want to work. They want to do whatever they have to do to yeah. know, to live their lives. But you wrote a piece a couple of weeks back on the course of mandates on these vaccine mm-hmm. mandates. Do you want to just outline that a bit? And then we'll kind of mm-hmm. delve uh, delve into that further.
2: Yeah. So I wrote a blog called uh, Against Coercive Mandates, Power, People, and the, and the Politics of Freedom. It was a, a sort of short blog. And um, I mean, I've written a number of pieces over the last uh, two years on this, and I was... <laughs> To some degree, I was thinking, what what else can (laughs) I say? What else is there to say? Mm. Uh, You know, and I and actually, I just today released a new blog um, uh, dealing with Romans thirteen and the limit. It's called "The Limits of Civil Obedience," Mm -hmm. uh, in which I uh, specifically look at and analyze Romans thirteen and a a proper interpretation of Romans thirteen and what what Paul is actually doing there, Mm. because that's been a, I think, a badly misused passage. Um, yeah, but in that particular blog, um, I was, um, well, I kicked off with a, with a quote from father Abraham, um, Kuiper and, <laughs> um, uh, and his, uh, his outspoken opposition to vaccination certificates. And, uh, of course he was in. It was at the time of the smallpox epidemic. And he warned that um that, that there was a there was a well let me quote him. He says that the form of tyranny hidden in these vaccination certificates is just as real a threat to the nation's spiritual resources as a smallpox epidemic itself. End quote. Hmm. And um I I completely agree with that. And 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 I think um the the, the way in which we've been so complacent. I mean, you raised the point that um people seem to have been bought off for, for a beer, a slice of pizza, Mm -hmm. uh, a hundred bucks in some cases, uh, in other instances, you know, the, well, you know, for the easy life, um, you know, well, you know, this is the way things are going. Therefore, if I want to have my holiday and then they think, well, if I get double jabbed, you know, I'll be able to have my holiday. And next thing we know, no, now actually you need to have your PCR test first and then a PCR test when you land. And then sh- sure enough, we've been told, uh, you know, the redefinition of fully vaccinated is coming. And so there's booster number one. And then of course there's Omicron and that doesn't seem to be according to the latest studies out of Oxford today. Uh, the vaccines don't seem to be stopping that effectively. So there'll be a no doubt a Pfizer adjusted um, Omicron version and mm-hmm. uh, uh, ad nauseum. Um, until people actually say, you know what, uh, we're done, um, with this now. Yeah. And, uh, so I think, um, what I tried to do in the article was, 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 was was address this issue of why, why, why are we comfortable? Why, why are we so shockingly comfortable with what's happening? Um, you know, for the easy life, Mm um, Do our do our civil liberties and the freedom of the church, especially for Christians, as we think about this? Does the independence and freedom of the church? I mean, look what's going on in Northern BC right now. You've got vaccine passports being mandated. You've got Mm. the same going on in Southern Manitoba for churches. For churches. Mm -hmm uh how long there, till there are attempts to do that in Ontario? We don't know. Then of course, you've got some churches that are already applying their own vaccine mandates anyway, because of, you know, local health uh, uh, guidelines or whatever. Um, how did we get to a point where, um, you know, Jesus healed the sick and we keep them out of our worship services I mean scripture says lay hands on the sick and we say you know can't come in unless you've got a vax passport yeah. I mean that's a major problem yeah. mm-hmm. um and uh, the, the, the the brazenness of the state in Canada in some of these regions is is incredible but of course they're doing it because they think they can they, yeah. they mm-hmm. believe that there will not be sufficient pushback and that people, We'll do what's necessary. And I fear that somehow we as Canadians have become, we like our cottage and our and our speedboat and our mm-hmm. foreign holidays and, uh, our, our, our easy life. And, um, we're, we're very blessed here. We've been blessed here for generations, uh, uh, financially and our standard of living and, uh, the, the liberties and freedoms we've historically enjoyed. Although this is the first time the charter has really been put to the test. It didn't do so well, did it? Mm-hmm. Um, the Americans don't have a section one that you can drive a freight train through, um, in terms of their civil liberties and, uh, Maybe we'll come to a comparison actually in a moment with um, with what's happened in the United Kingdom on on okay. the whole issue of church and state. Mm. But but in the in the in the blog, um, I'm saying that uh, you know why are we comfortable with coercion? In in other, we claim as a culture not to be comfortable with coercion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't want to coerce. We refuse to coerce. Um, you know, illegal migrants to have proper paperwork. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we refuse to coerce suspected terrorists to be deported out of the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, we refuse to even be willing to coerce uh, 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 women to respect life in the womb mm-hmm. or or men to respect the yeah. life in the womb. Um, but we're more than happy with, I mean, some, and some of the egregious statements that I've heard about, you know... I don't care if they die people in the medical profession saying unvaccinated people have shouldn't shouldn't be treated or yeah. should be left till last or of course we, we if you you can't even have an organ transplant now if you if you're not uh, vaccinated in the Toronto region. Yeah. Um wow. you know these are and and yet it's as though ugh, these things don't seem to register to people or we're not ready to speak out. And of course, the, the frightening thing here is this is exactly what we saw in the Soviet Union in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what we saw in Germany in the 1930s. It's this incremental creep of you can demonize certain people mm-hmm. and then you do what you like to them. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was the concern of the article. So I talked about there the, the, the way in which the worldview issue is so pertinent because... Uh, the modern, you know, the great uh, Dutch philosopher Hermann Dooyeweerd, Christian philosopher, talked about one of the religious worldviews or spiritual motive forces of mod- the modern age. He said is 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 governed by um, a a nature freedom dialectic, and a dialectic basically means is opposing ideas mm-hmm. from which we move from one pole to the other. By nature, he meant um, we have in the, the modern age, a deterministic view of nature of science running in terms of um, these uh, uh, fixed mathematical, physical, material yep. laws. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's a realm of determinism. Then on the other hand, we have this radical insistence on the freedom of the human personality, yes. mm-hmm. right? So, so how do you maintain uh, absolute freedom uh, in this radically autonomous sense, and yet in, in a deterministic world in which, you know, you got Dawkins writing about the selfish gene and, you know, we're basically just the product of our, of, you know, atomic determinism. Mm-hmm. So these sort of two poles and the solution that our culture effectively came up with in an attempt to synthesize these poles, of course, it doesn't really work, but the, the idea is with the with the autonomous freedom of the human personality, we now harness Science, in inverted commas, we 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 <laughs> harness the, um, the 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 nature as such, and we bend it to our will, and we go we move from the science of the nineteenth and and, and um, mid through to the maybe the mid twentieth century of description of reality in order to analyze it to basically human sciences, so called, the science of man. We go from description to prescription. How do we now plan scientifically the perfect society? Mm-hmm. How do we how do we use our freedom, uh, our, our autonomous freedom, um, using the tools of the sciences to predestine to plan society? In other words, how do we have a, a, a truly planned order, and so a technocracy, a, a technocratic. Uh, society in which experts in elites plan your freedom, in inverted commas. But it's not the freedom that we used to (laughs) talk about. Freedom, which meant freedom under law, which is under God, you know, the beginning of the charter, uh, recognizing the supremacy of God and the rule of law, Mm. where there's a standard, a transcendent standard above the state. No, this is the freedom of necessity, which is you must be coerced to be free, Mm, the yeah. freedom that they are planning for you, yeah. uh, and of course this goes right back to Rousseau and uh, the French Revolution, and that you surrender your individual freedom to the collective okay. so that you, you so that um, you will be free. And some people. Will need to be coerced into this freedom, which is, of course, a contradiction in terms. But that's the point. It's a dialectic. Yeah. It can't, some people will be more be free than others. <laughs> you exactly. Need this, you need and a central,
0: Yeah, and the centralized it's, entity
2: to distribute. Them. And you need a, a strong state. So, so, think about the way the the, the the social contract theories that we've adopted now in the West of, of society actually work. Um, you, in the you 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 remove the idea of God. Over mm-hmm. society and his word as mm-hmm. s- sovereign, mm-hmm. and you replace it with the sovereignty of man and the the ultimacy of man and his order, and you have a group of autonomous people contracting together to. Mm-hmm. Uh, agree that this is how society is going to run. And then you can update the contract as you go along, as you see fit. But the problem is when you're also affirming the freedom of the human personality, how do you maintain unity for society? Uh, so that it can function when you've got all of these radically free individuals everywhere? Well, the answer is this this idea of this contract. But of course, in the contract, the state, the controlling agency, the central agency has to be emphasised more and more and more and more to retain some semblance of unity in all of this anarchistic diversity. And so that's Hmm. what we're seeing. And we've we've now have a sort of cult of the expert uh, where... A small group of elites from specially selected universities um progressive elites are now going to plan and determine um our futures and what society is going to look like yeah. mm. and you see this with um
1: social media all the time absolutely yeah well it sounds like sam harris would have an answer to that he would just say well then we'll come up with meaning don't worry <laughs> yeah the science will come up with meaning
2: at some well, point well of course <laughs> cool. it, it becomes th- this this in a certain sense is the meaning which is um we, they believe that because there's no God and there's no revelation from God mm. they're in a chaotic environment yeah. that is threatening to crush them yeah. uh this is behind the 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 climate cult as well. Right? COP26 and the whole notion that, you know, man can alter climate and change the weather. Um, he can do almost any magic trick now. Uh, mm-hmm. the, 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 the fundamental idea is that uh, man must be the new God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he must structure and control reality in such a way that requires... It goes back to Plato and Aristotle and the philosopher kings. You need a, you need a small group of elites who will structure and plan uh, uh, reality for us um, because you're not, you're, you are not—you can't be trusted with freedom. The, the, the universe is trying to crush you. Uh, and unless man frees himself by his sciences and delivers himself into the new utopia of freedom, and that's the right word, we need a planned utopia, a planned society. You've often heard it, Canada talked about as a, a social experiment, but yeah. well, what's the first requirement of any legitimate experiment? You need controls, right? You need a completely controlled environment. Yeah. Otherwise, you can't repeat the experiment, and therefore, it's not valid. So, mm-hmm. control is the prerequisite. So that's what I deal with in this is this article, mm-hmm. this sort of this dialectic, and then um, uh, I try and highlight the fact that the the whole idea of freedom is not self explanatory, um, and this is the problem in our culture is that we've essentially redefined freedom instead of it being scripturally and under God, you might say theologically, freedom is now described purely politically. Mm-hmm. Um, so that mean, you know, when we talk about freedom, free from what, to be what? Mm-hmm. I mean, the concept of freedom presupposes you're being freed from something
0: sure.
2: yeah. to be something else. Right. And so that's relative either to man only or to God. And if, it's, if freedom is relative only to human beings, then there is no realm of freedom above and beyond the state. There's no appeal above or beyond the state. Only if we can appeal to God Mm -hmm. as a transcendent authority, does freedom for the individual, for the family, for the church, for all of these mediating institutions Mm -hmm. that protect us from standing naked before the state as merely units to be controlled. Uh, This is the the critical thing about the advance of the, the, the state's intrusion. We can talk about this in a moment when we discuss sphere sovereignty, but the state's intrusion into all these areas means that increasingly... The family, the church, the individual are irrelevant. Mm. It is the state and its experts that matter, and they will coerce you to be free. They'll coerce you to be healthy. Uh, and, um, And that requires the stripping of the authority of the family. And of that this is and of the church and of other mediating institutions, and that's why we should be very concerned about the destruction of small business, the total control of medicine by the state, the attempt to say we're going to start injecting children as young as five or even younger. Um, it's happening in places without uh, parental consent um, these, these are all radical intrusions into the life of the family. And of course, this is all reflected in Bill C-4 as well in its passage, which basically tells parents what they can and can't, um, how they can and can't have their children raised and counseled and so on. Mm-hmm. So um, this can, is, go ahead. For a second? Go yeah. ahead.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, we should hit Sphere Sovereignty. Mm-hmm. We're only doing an hour today. And then also, uh, and talk about what the red line is. But this is a little bit on an side. I don't mm-hmm. know if I've seen you do any writing or any podcasting on this. Do you see some of these centralizing tendencies and like creating a a world where, yeah, there's there's certain controls, certain rules in the advancement of the Internet and and something like the metaverse? Mm -hmm. Like, have you done any looking into that at all? And
1: do you see those principles at work? (sighs) You just lost like three quarters of our viewership <laughs> because, wow, just, the metaverse is such a new word too. So oh, it's, yeah, it's good to know.
2: <clears throat> yeah. I think, um, I think what you're driving at there is uh, a concept I have actually written a little bit about. And I wrote a foreword to a book, um, on, um, post-human post-humanism or transhumanism. Uh, and, uh, this is the, this is the idea that, um, well, the, the, science fiction has been dreaming about these things for a very long time yep. um but the the for many the internet um and uh, this whole new concept of or the new wording of this of this metaverse and supercomputer quantum computers and yep. all of this sort of thing um will be the first stage in a united consciousness in the in in what uh, some of uh, the transhumanists call the omega point um yep. at which you Man, essentially, the idea is he merges in his attempt to plan, to harness science, to plan and uh, predestine his own future. Man essentially uh, harnesses the evolution He's now he's now the custodian of evolution himself. Yeah,
0: it's the next stage.
2: And he takes man on the on a, on a new or final stage of evolution where man has a unified consciousness that stage manages the entire universe. Yep. And uh, hmm. so you've got ideas like, you know, the, the notion that eventually human beings will be able to download their consciousness in some, into some kind of quantum computer, that there'd be some kind of hive consciousness. I mean, you think about, I don't know whether you guys are Star Trek fans, um, but if you, uh, Star Trek, Next Gen, Generation, you got the 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 these aliens called the Borg, okay. and the, the, you don't know Star Trek. These, no, no, Borg. before my okay. time. Go ahead. So it's uh, before my time, uh, yeah, yeah. So Star Trek Next Generation. This is, this is actually a good movie. Some homework for you guys. Go and there watch go. the the movie uh, First Contact uh, with Star Trek, which is about these alien uh, aliens called the Borg, and they are basically a, a blend of ma- of um, humanoid and machine, mm. um, and they have a, a a hive consciousness, and and this is what the mm. Uh, a, a collective consciousness and at this point in, in amongst the transhumanist the post-humanist thinkers and philosophers that there's of course diversity but many of them believe at this point man really merges into this kind of transhuman we yeah. go beyond the human by our merger with our technology and so yes um, there are people dreaming of that um, and it's uh, some of those um, some of those dreams are very dangerous because they are again about that they all require human beings to surrender their freedom, their independence, their liberty mm. in a various different ways to be merged into this collective. And, and some see, yeah, the internet, the, the metaverse, the, co- the coming quantum computers as um, a sort of major first step in, in this sort of transition of humankind in the, to a next phase of evolution.
1: It sure seems like we're setting or, or uh, the government or, you know, culture is setting itself up for uh, just a wonderful storm. So, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Although I will say, well, whatever, we all have to go on to it. But like the <laughs> fact that if if Facebook and Meta succeeds in becoming the dominant metaverse, mm-hmm. that makes sense. But if these other cryptocurrencies, which are decentralized, would succeed, mm-hmm. then you would have, I guess it would just be will of the people at large, which has... Tons yeah. Of his own problems, yeah, but would be not this centralized, controlled playground yeah. that Facebook wants to do. Yeah,
1: it's a disaster. It's you it know. seems like at some point you're just gonna have to turn everything off and go live in a desert.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it feels like, like that sometimes. It's, yeah.
1: So, well, that kind of brings us back to sphere sovereignty in this whole, um, you know, situation we find ourselves in in Ontario and Canada. Um, maybe we can maybe you can break down sphere sovereignty for us in, mm-hmm. you know, kind of an understandable way that we can because. Yeah, we can talk about the red line. Like, where is, where does this all hit a wall? Like, yeah. we're we're not far away from a, a reality where the government's going to come for your kids because you didn't vaccinate them, mm-hmm. or because of your views on homosexuality, or or any any number of issues. They're already mm-hmm. like C four passed. It's already we're taking a big step toward that, toward yeah. not tolerating intolerance. Yeah, which is just you know the most dangerous thing. If mm-hmm. you know as a parent, as a church, and yeah, so maybe you just can break that down for us and yeah. kind of tell us where you see it going.
2: Well, these um, uh, things like um, uh, Bill C-4 do fit very uh, neatly into all of this because it's about the, the, the root of the discussion of sphere sovereignty is about the true nature of things. Um, do, do, uh, do created things, created entities, societal institutions have a particular nature mm-hmm. um, that's governed by law? By God by God's law and um, if we're at the point where, where we are now in Canada, where the by Fiat, the state can uh, legislate into existence um, completely new human identities derived from um, non-scientific uh, radical theories of language and social construction um mm-hmm. a Made lot of this science. stuff is judith butler uh, uh, gender trouble her book in the early 90s and the whole idea that male and female are fictive mm-hmm. right they mm-hmm. are they societal are societal constructs they're just constructs that's all they are and mm-hmm. um they exist only because of a language regime so if so by this is why there's a war over pronouns mm-hmm. Uh, this because you repeat the language regime of man and woman, husband, wife, and so on. Uh, that's just there to reinforce a pre-existing bourgeois power structure of the family and private property and everything else. But if you change the language regime, you can change our perception of the body. And the body is really a body without organs. It's it's um, it's it's nothing. It's awaiting cultural signification by our words, and so it's a mm-hmm. war on language. Which is a war on the Word, who created all things. In the beginning mm. was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through Him. So, it's a war on the very idea that there is a Word uh, that governs all things, and that takes us mm. to the, the 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 concept of uh, the biblical idea of sphere sovereignty that's being, you know, utterly shattered uh, or broken or violated. I should say, in all of this. Um, in this revolt against creation, which is what we're, which is what we're in. So, mm-hmm. sovereignty is basically, um, of course you don't find the expression in the Bible. You don't find the expression Trinity in the Bible either, but that doesn't, doesn't mean God isn't triune. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the expression, uh, was um, coined probably by Abraham Kuyper. Um, uh, but the idea has been around a very, very long time. And uh, God begins, and when you read the creation account, God distinguishes and separates things. He creates things after their kind. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the big uh, um, fallacies of evolution, but we won't go there now. Um, <laughs> uh, he he creates things after their kind, so they're distinct from one another, and they're and they're governed by a distinctive law. Uh, and so. Uh, we have the distinction of male and female, of course, in the creation account. But it goes beyond that, and it, and and in in creation, we also have first, of course, the individual Adam is created, but then the family is also created by God. Uh, and then, as we move through Scripture and the um, uh, the biblical narrative, we see that the the state is established. Beginnings of the state we see in Genesis nine, uh, after the flood, and then uh, uh, the church. And then there's a process with the uh, the God with the work of the gospel in um, uh, our history. Uh, you see a gradual, steady process of differentiation taking place within society that starts to distinguish the God ordains God ordained aspects of life. So in the what we might call um, early uh, iterations of human society, you see uh, the clan or the sib. Uh, you see. Um, all of the functions of what we would look at in a modern society around education, the life of the church, government, all concentrated in a chief uh, or, or clan leader or whatever. And what you see mm-hmm. with the birth of the church in the Roman world, which um, centralized all power, there was no area of freedom outside of the, um, the totalitarian state uh, in Rome and in ancient Greece and in ancient Egypt, ancient Babylon, you look at all of these ancient empires, but the church was the truly, was the first truly free institution in the Western world. And that kicked off a process of differentiating these different aspects of life. Hmm. So well, we can talk obviously very clearly about, um, uh, the, the family, the church, the state in scripture. And you see them differentiated clearly in the Old Testament because, uh, uh, you have a number of instances actually where uh, kings tried to behave as priests and were rebuked for it, yep. mm-hmm. um, including Saul and Samuel, but there's Azariah as well. Um, and uh, you see a clear distinction between priesthood and uh, and kingship. And you've got distinction of the independent authority of the family too. You see the attempted th- the theft of Naboth's vineyard yep. with Ahab and so yeah. on. So... That's the root of it. And the basic idea is, that, and and usually we illustrate this with circles uh, and and touching circles, is that God has established things, societal institutions, after their kind, um, and they are governed by their own internal law structure. And that simply means that you, you don't govern the church like a state or like a family. Um, you don't govern the family like a church or a state. You don't govern the state like a church or a family. They have their Mm -hmm. own distinctive structure. Um, if you, if you govern the state like a family, what have you got? A mafia. So you have, you have basically blood comes first. And so you have a, 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 a mafia. If you, if you govern the, um, uh, the, the, the family like a church, um, then uh, well you've got um, spiritual abuse because uh, the 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 family isn't the church. It's it's of course families are part of churches, but they mm-hmm. are they are distinct, um, and you certainly can't um, govern the. Uh, I mean, what what would be a, if I'm an elder in the church, which I am, in my own church, and um, you know, I were to execute excommunicate my wife on the basis that she, uh, you know, cooked uh, burnt dinner or something? You've know, got <laughs> you've got a, you've got a, a, a radical. Um, mixing of these distinct spheres and mm-hmm. so it and and when tyranny and abuse of power comes in is when these different spheres of life overstep their god-ordained function um in the case of the state it's to be a ministry of justice that's uh that's the that's the biblical requirement it's there it's the juridical juror aspect yeah. Uh, it, that, that leads the state. Um, that's its that's its function. The family does not um, put people in prison, execute people, and so on. That's not its role. It's not its function. The state is that mm-hmm. is is fundamentally the coercive institution as a ministry of justice. Um, the state can't be excommunicating people from the life of the church. So those, those are the basics of sphere sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And um, where you don't respect sphere sovereignty, you have totalitarianism. Yep. And when you use a word like totalitarianism, people immediately think of uh, frightening dictators yeah, like and... uh, you know Mussolini, Adolf Hitler, Stalin, yep. you know, and so on. And authoritarian regimes that were also totalitarian. And, and they look at Canada and they say, oh, well, we're not totalitarian in Canada because we don't have jackboots marching up and down the street. Um, but we have become totalitarian because totalitarianism is the swallowing of other spheres of life and authority Mm -hmm. by one of the spheres Mm -hmm. and so what we've got in canada right now is the treating in a parts to whole fashion the church the family medicine economic life and business these are being treated as though they are lesser parts of the state. Mm -hmm. The parts of the state are municipalities, provinces, and so on. Those are the parts of the state. Mm -hmm. And on those territories, families, churches, businesses, schools reside. But -hmm. they are not parts of the state. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so when when we reduce human society uh, to the state, you have totalitarianism mm-hmm. and um and what's been on terrifying display these last 2 years um and of course we're seeing it even worse in some places like Germany and Austria yeah it's they're interesting, going interesting that it's those countries <laughs> that uh, uh no, oh, history buff but, so uh, ironic. <laughs> uh, but but you know there they're actually um the the the, the vaccination mandates are becoming mandatory yeah And, uh, you know, with the fines and uh, in Austria, prison sentences looming, um, and you've seen some very extreme behavior in Australia as well. Although we've got um, money has been dished out this fall in BC and in Ontario for our own detention um, uh, camps. You're probably aware of that, that they're building. um, uh, uh, The the federal government has given those two provinces money for um, quarantine camps. Mm. So who knows where all of that will go. But the point is uh, that I'm making is that um, uh, totalitarianism is this treating of these other parts of society of human society as lesser parts of the state right. and not respecting the boundaries and that's and they know they're doing it because that's why you need emergency powers. Yes, They know that they are overstepping the legitimate authority of the state, which is why they keep extending emergency powers, in inverted commas. And as you know from history, uh, when states take to themselves additional powers, you see it in the West after powers of taxation and so forth after World War
1: II 9/11. they give them back right away they <laughs> give them back straight away uh,
2: and and that's the that's the that's the frightening aspect of all of this Yeah, and some people seem to be just thinking oh well you know eventually all of this will go away Bill C-4 Bill C-36 uh, Bill C- well then they've not gone away um, and, uh, and I don't see in the short term these um, uh, these coercive measures disappearing anytime soon either um exactly what form they will be in it uh in the months and years ahead it's hard to say um but what's happened these restrictions are never unthinkable again and that's the yeah that's
1: that's the problem so
0: yeah where do we go from here because it's just been creeping year over year kind yeah, of throughout when does know. it go from
1: coercive to like i don't know what the word would be beyond them pushing you to get your kids vaccinated or beyond them pushing you to have a certain view on something to like, that is a man- a mandatory, you know, societal requirement. Like, mm-hmm. what, like, what do you do? Do you speak up about it? Or like, do you wait till they come to your door to like, mm-hmm. like it's, I
0: think people are kind of like we were talking about, I think maybe a bit at the beginning or even off air too, just yeah. the
1: general attitude is, is sounds, just one of despair. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like it's radical and it sounds like, but. You see these mandates coming to churches, and then they're yeah. already trying. They're vaccinating kids up to five. And yeah. what's going to happen when your four year olds going to school in a couple of years, or whatever, three year olds going to school in a couple of years, and they require that vaccine? Well, and the, yeah. you, as a parent, need to be able to exercise your your authority, but you can't.
2: Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I've heard uh, Doctor Tam recently uh, um, the uh, at the at the federal level uh talking about um the the importance of the, the the forthcoming importance of infant immunization um and uh so this is a the, 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 these are not unrealistic or or fanciful questions to be asking mm. um i think fundamentally we have to remember that the state only has uh oh. the power that people Allow to it now. You have to ask the question. The most fundamental question is: What is the basis or the foundation of state authority? Mm. Is, is do do we uh, submit to the state um, simply because they have the guns and they have the uh, the, the money? um, that they're taking from the citizen citizenry. Is that the, the, because for the non-Christianism doesn't believe in God, they have no particular reason to obey the state other than that. The, the state has a monopoly on the means of coercion Mm. uh, and, uh, and, and it has the, has the money. Um, the Christian has a more positive duty to submit to the state in all things lawful, because we recognize the state is ordained by God in its sovereign sphere. But the question then becomes, what do you do when, The state is no longer a terror to those that do uh, do evil, but becomes a terror to those that do good, uh, to the uh, to the law abiding, to the god honoring, um, Mm. and uh, it starts to persecute the 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 righteous. Uh, What what do you do at that point? And um, of course, the first answer is that, um, and you know what you've seen some pastors doing and some churches doing is passive resistance. You know, you, you, you have to resist the more you mm. surrender, uh, uh, freedoms, the more will be taken from you. So the, 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 state can only go so far as, in fact, I would argue that, um, the churches had the power to stop this in its tracks nearly 18 months ago. Mm, I you may recall that I was engaged in, um, leading something, called the Reopen Ontario Churches campaign with mm-hmm. Aaron Rock. We we um, wrote a letter and then we pursued uh, signatories. I can't remember how many it was now, maybe 400, 400 somewhere there, 450, mm-hmm. something like that. Churches I- eventually signed it and that uh, got us a meeting with government officials. And uh, um, I think that, that meeting was on a Friday and by the Monday they were announcing um, the churches could open 30%. Um, at that time, the I think the Ontario government was under the distinct impression that uh, there would be a major problem for them of enforcement if they did not open the churches. But then what started to happen is the the, the the churches and the various movements, especially in light of what we were trying to do, were all breaking ranks and not insisting on the freedom of the church.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, and you had your statements from the Anglicans and from the Mennonites and all of this, so that all of a sudden, sphere sovereignty was no longer a Christian principle, a broadly Christian. It was just a very narrow, small group of of, um, evangelical reformed folk who kind of think that, but they're in a small minority, and that was the impression the government is then given, Mm -hmm. and so they think they can do what they want. And one of the interesting things in Canada is um, in the courts, we haven't had a single victory. Yeah on this, mm-hmm. not a single victory. And you, you compare that to the USA,
1: right? Where they're getting, yeah, they're getting victories everywhere. where they're getting
2: victories all over the place. I mean, even Biden can't do what he wants right now with respect to the, uh, um, you know, vaccination mandates for, for businesses over, over a hundred or whatever it is, it's all been blocked. Churches were winning their cases. And in the United Kingdom, in the UK, there, um, Scottish pastors, uh, sued the Scottish government, 20, just 27 of them, uh, sued the Scottish government when they locked down the church. And it went to the Scottish High Court. And the, the QC, the lawyer representing the churches, uh, opened their case to the judge in almost verbatim in this way. Um, he said, I make no apology for opening my case by saying, Jesus is Lord. And they won the case. they won the case, they defeated the government on the basis that Christ is Lord of his church. judge said that this is, that the attempt to lock down the Church of Christ had not happened in over three hundred years, and he ordered the government the Scottish government to reopen the churches. just the threat of legal action in England against the government on church lockdowns had them uh uh not introduce any lockdown mandates in twenty twenty one. Wow, uh, just the threat of legal action. So that's one of the troubling things about uh, the Canadian situation right now is we're we're out on on a limb to some degree it, it, with comparable jurisdictions. So obviously that you've got to you've got to go to battle on multiple fronts. Yep, one I'm is good. you've got to keep speaking. Yep. Because as soon as you stop speaking, uh, eventually, if you can't uh, um, speak freely, you can't have a, soon enough. You can't have an opinion, and, and that's what mm-hmm. we're seeing now. With because we haven't spoken forcefully, faithfully, openly on human identity and sexual ethics, and stood our ground on it and have just surrendered and privatized and privatized and privatized till our faith is something that exists between the the air between our ears. Uh, We've now got legislation criminalizing us if we as pastors counsel people um, in terms of a normative human identity, according to scripture. It's an anti-conversion law. It's not an anti-conversion therapy law. It's an anti-conversion law. So if you stop speaking... This is what happens so you have to speak and not enough leaders have spoken out then you have to resist passive resistance so you you, you remain open you don't comply with uh, intrusive and lawless mandates um, mm. where in scripture does it say that uh, that the state is the ministry of health Yeah right where, how, where where is where is that where is where christians do we get the notion from
0: it used to always be the church they made the hospitals and all that right, right?
2: we built the hospitals we paid for them yeah. uh, and the the notion that the
1: state is the sole arbiter of human health is a terrifying prospect is that because we don't have a history in canada the same as say these other places do even the states doesn't really have a deep history but but the uk would like they they can go back years of years, to Magna Carta, yeah, and and they can they see things play out in their their society, and we just don't have that here. We we're just accepting that universal, like I mean, I even grew up thinking universal healthcare was just like, mm-hmm. oh, other people don't have that. That's wild, and then yeah. you start to think about like why, and you start realizing that it's not really that good of an idea. No, and well, and never thought about that, and no one ever said maybe this isn't a good idea. It just was a thing. No, well, the opposite. It's it's the only thing you can't touch. Yeah. so and,
2: and I think actually some of this goes back to Tommy Douglas and uh, um, you know professing Christians in this country yeah uh, and um, the and, and some of their ideas if you actually go and look at what Tommy Douglas believed about um, uh, 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 about a variety of things including mm. eugenics yeah it's pretty terrifying stuff um, the mm. you know we've got to remember that the notion of socialized medicine, and of uh, the, the, the state control of medicine. What have we got from the state control of medicine now? We've got abortion on demand mm-hmm. right through to term. We've got the denial of the conscience rights of doctors now. They've lost yeah. in the courts. Yeah, their battle battled to, to not have to refer for euthanasia. Mm-hmm. We've got the expansion of MAID. Mm. Um, the people that the churches want to trust... Right, these experts, these government figures that so many churches and church leaders want to, to trust and submit to are the people that have just taken away our freedom to counsel people in terms of a normative human identity of mm-hmm. male and female. And we're paying for sex change surgeries right, through s- socialized medicine. And you don't even have the option of going to a private health uh, hospital in Canada. We don't even have the yeah. option. Right? Even in Britain where you've got the National Health Service, you've got 7% of the population uh, using private medicine now. Right, Mm -hmm. And, of course, you've got private medicine in in the U.S. So the dangers when you – and here's the thing. Because the state is the properly coercive institution, it has its proper role to deal with issues of justice, of courts, criminality and so on, administrative law. Uh, And it's necessarily coercive. That's why you have to be so careful where you bring it. Because if you bring the state into the heart of education, you've got you've got government education, yeah. And actually, our reform community was historically better at recognizing: no, we can't have the state dictating the education of our children. Why are we comfortable with it dictating our health? Yeah. you bring the state into the convenient. heart, <laughs>
1: just convenient, it's convenient. So it's convenient, it's supposedly free. Although, yeah, so is our school, I guess. But that's bring, inconvenient for us. You bring the or- state
2: into the heart of medicine, and you get all cur- you get to. Uh, abortion, all these sex change surgeries, euthanasia, wherever you bring the state, if that state is secular, humanist, pagan, it brings its own nature to everything that it does, which is coercive. Mm -hmm. So if you bring the state into the heart of health and say, well, public health is the sole responsibility of the state. It's not a collective effort of family, small business, of the church – as historically we viewed it. Don't forget, mm-hmm. socialised medicine's a new thing. It came in after World War II in Britain, mm-hmm. right, the NHS. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's recent here. Even state education is, is late 19th century uh, history. Just because things are the way they are doesn't mean they should be that way. And, of course, the welfare mm-hmm. states of Europe are bankrupt. Yeah, And so are we. In fact, Ontario is the most indebted, sub-sovereign, uh, sub-sovereign uh, territory in the Western world. Yep. Uh, so, where do we think all that's leading? So, all of this, um, all of this coercion, it has to be resisted, and that starts with having the courage to speak. And then there's passive resistance, and then of course there's civil disobedience, which is more mm. active resistance. And of course, the Reformed community has a long history of this. Without civil disobedience, there would have been no Evangelical Reformed Church in Europe. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have existed. Yep. Uh, it was required for the preservation of the gains of the Reformation. Look at John Knox's admonition to England. Uh, look at Samuel Rutherford's Lex Rex, the Puritans. Look at mm-hmm. uh, the work of the anti-revolutionary party, Groen van Prinsterer, Abraham Kuyper, and so on in the Netherlands. I mean, England and the Netherlands, they're probably the two most important nations in terms of the, the expansion of religious freedom Mm -hmm. uh and the freedom of the church you look at the english revolution cromwell go on to 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 take a look at the american revolution so resistance uh for christians has always uh certainly of the reform stripe gone beyond mere passive resistance eventually to uh, if necessary civil disobedience and it
0: starts in the church
2: in all these instances and it and it started in the church because the church uh should be the most sensitive institution to the issue of freedom because we are the first truly free institution in the history of the Western world. Mm -hmm. And if the freedom of the church disappears, freedom for society disappears with it. And in fact, I was reading an article in the Daily Telegraph, a major broadsheet in the UK just the other day, where the journalists there are starting to complain vociferously about the silence and non-Christians, yeah. about the silence and surrender of the church and spiritual leaders in Britain, about the oppression of the weak and the surrender of freedoms yeah. in all of this coercion.
0: Totally. Yeah. So those
2: who've said, oh, watch your witness? Don't resist, submit, because that's good
1: for our witness as a church. No, it isn't. Yeah. See, that, and then the government's using that now in, in their literature about... Um... If, you, if you're applying for, an, say, an exemption to fly based on religious grounds, they write right in the form, please be aware that the following religious organizations have come out in favor of the mandate, yeah. and they list, like, Judaism, Roman Catholicism, and they just list everybody. I mean, Reformed Christianity is not in there yet, but they use that as soon as they can get some leader of a, a religious That's organization correct. on the hook, they use it in order to... Say, well, you're actually a Roman Catholic. Well, yeah. you know what? You believe something that, you know, has been said for you. So. You're
2: absolutely right. You know what, guys? There was a, there was an article that appeared a few weeks back in the National Post. And it was at a time when a lot of Christians' jobs were in the balance. Uh, people, Christians across the province pr- uh, applying for... Um, uh, religious exemptions, because the, for for conscience reasons, they didn't feel that for them uh, they wanted to they wanted to maintain their bodily integrity and bodily autonomy under God. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, Herman Doerbeard says in um, in the nineteen twenties in his opposition to compulsory vaccination. Uh, he said the human body is inseparable from the ethical person of man personhood should never be infringed by the government. The government may not, according to God's ordinances, force the ethically free man to accept physical treatment in any form. The ethical person alone is appointed by God as the keeper and caretaker of the body. He concludes this way, whoever accepts compulsory vaccination in principle has deprived himself of the moral ground for opposing usurpation by government of individual liberty. And if you coerce people... Um, on pain of losing their job, I mean, you are denying the f- the freedom of the ethical person. You're treating a, a person mm. as a thing. It's evil. It's wicked. And so at a time when people were in good conscience applying for exemptions across the province, especially people in the medical profession, an article appeared by two professing Christians lawyers in the National Post, saying there's nothing especially Christian about, you know, uh, uh, rejecting... Uh, the vaccination, and tried to deny that it was an issue of conscience. Hmm. Now, imagine the effect of that on the employer who sat at his computer Monday morning and thinking, oh, "I've got this stack of, of of religious exemption applications. Oh, look at this article in the National Post: two Christian lawyers saying that this is not a Christian conscience issue. Yeah. You're smarter than the lawyers. Come on, yeah. yeah. And and so. As you say, when the church leaders do it as well, mm. then, of course, you know, the vast, vast majority of these exemption requests were all denied. And so I've, I've known loads of people who are wonderful people, people exceptional at their jobs, yeah. who've lost losing their livelihoods or lost them already, yeah. lost their careers um, because they want to accept a state mandated medical therapy for a disease that ninety nine point nine point seven yeah. or thereabouts, people we know survive. Uh, for a um, for something that uh, we've got outbreaks among uh, I was just mentioning to you before the show started uh, all over the place amongst vaccinated people the police have got an outbreak in Toronto amongst double vaccinated police officers we know this vaccine is leaky uh, mm. what is it that what is driving the notion that this is somehow for our health and our benefit uh that children who are almost mm-hmm. zero risk from this thing should be being jabbed up um no there's, mm-hmm. there's there's something very wrong with this picture and um it's been very disappointing to see that in oftentimes more non-christians mm-hmm. have said seen this and written about it than than christians themselves so yes we mm-hmm. have scored some serious own goals it's what you're saying there <laughs> yeah. in this whole situation. Talk about shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. And um, the failure for Christians to unite around this issue of freedom from these from coercion and uh, the freedom of the church to not be coerced by the state to introduce all kinds of draconian measures. I mean, you know, we've all been in these situations. You go into one of these, uh, uh, well, of course you can't now if you're not vaxxed, Uh, you go into a (laughs) restaurant or these settings and everybody's sat down eating. Um, That's fine. But... You know, in a church, you can't sing, you've got to be masked, you need to be physically distanced, you've got to be at this capacity limit or that capacity limit, or even in some places now, compulsory vaccination. Uh, these things are entirely unacceptable and they are a complete violation of the principle of sphere sovereignty.
1: Yeah. Well, wow. well, resist. I mean, that's that's <laughs> the message. That's <laughs> the message. Yeah, it's kind, kind of a time for you, but uh I notice you've got a
2: picture of C.S. Lewis on your wall there. Oh, yeah. And uh, maybe I should conclude my remarks with a a brief citation from C.S. Lewis that's that's in my uh, blog article. Um, I say this, and, and bear in mind now, we're thinking about Bill C-4 as well. We, uh, I write here, we undoubtedly live in a dangerous culture where cadres of benevolent experts go about as demigogs, demigods trying to free us from our created nature as persons made in God's image. But like a lemur freed of his tail, an elephant of his tusks, or a man of his testicles, such freedom merely destroys the very thing it claims to liberate. God spare us from such abuse in the name of health for a CS Lewis warned of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive.
1: Yeah. Which is yeah, really Are they going- the bottom line. It's like it's played as good. And that's uh it's played off as, as mercy, compassion and for the good of everybody. Mm-hmm. And if, yeah, specifically to the mandate itself, whether whatever you think about the vaccine, the mandate is the yeah. really the thing we got to start thinking about a lot more. So
2: thanks for having me on the show. If people yeah. want to track with any of our materials, uh, ezrainstitute.ca is our website. They can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. True. People can follow me on Twitter if they want at, uh, at Dr. Joe Boot. Um, and, uh, You know, check out Ezra Press and and our resources Mm. because they're there to try and resource and encourage the church to stand for sphere sovereignty, the lordship of Jesus Christ, his authority over every single area of life, and developing a cultural apologetic so that we do learn to respond uh, and resist where um, human institutions try and take the place of God and become messianic in their thinking Mm. and in their reach.
0: For sure. Well, thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Appreciate it. Keep having Real Talk. Catch you next time, folks. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Real Talk. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen or watch the show. If you want to send us your feedback and we'd love to hear it, please email us at reformedrealtalk at gmail.com. If you want to find us online or social media, we've got a lot of great content there. Just search Reformed Real Talk and we should come right up. This show is created and produced by myself, Lucas Holtfleur, and Tyler Vanderwood. And our wonderful podcast manager who does all the editing is Mariah Tamaga. So we're really thankful for her contribution to the show as well. That's all for now, folks. Thanks for watching or listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.